Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. Let's give the kids another round of applause. They did so much, so much work on that. All the soloists and uh, yes, they, a lot of work goes into that and they did an amazing job. They get to do it one more time next service. So if this is your first time here with us, we're so glad you joined us for worship this morning. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, we have uh, been going through a, an Advent sermon series where we've been looking at miraculous births all through Scripture. We started out and looked at the miraculous birth of Samson. Then we looked at Samuel last week, John the Baptist. And this week's going to be totally different. We're going to be looking not at the birth of a person, but a birth of a people, the church, the miraculous birth of the church. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to be spending our morning this morning. Okay, who here has their Christmas shopping done? Early shoppers, good. Okay, a lot of you are like me. Last minute shoppers, right? We, we like the rush of that last minute Christmas Eve. The stores are open late. Going out into the craziness at Belden Village. You know, as you can barely fit through the stores and finding that perfect gift. What's the, um, what's the big kid's gift this, this Christmas? Young parents out there. Is, there, is it Transformers? That's what it was, Optimus Prime, when I was like 10 years old. What is the, oh, nobody wants to say? What is it? Mama surprise guinea pigs, okay. I'm glad my kids are grown. Okay, we'll just go with that, all right? All right, all right, well, cool. Well, before we jump into Acts 2, let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. In this time of Advent, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the coming of Christ the King, Emmanuel, God with us, Father, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, God, that your truth would sink deep into our hearts and change us for your kingdom and for your glory. And Father, we just submit to your word today and say, have your way. Come and have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start here in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Pentecost. What in the world is Pentecost? Well, uh, this means 50th. Penta, Pentecost means 50th. And it refers to the 50th day after the offering of the first fruits. It is one of three major festivals that the Jewish people had where all male Jewish, all Jewish men had to come and celebrate. So, uh, Male Jews from all over, actually the known world at the time, would come around for these Jewish holidays. And it was a really feasts that they would have. It was like huge parties that they would have. And uh, so all the, all the guys would be there for this. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, 
belonged to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. Now, the first thing I kind of want to pull out of this um, account is the first filling in your notes, too. As you came in, you should have received a little program, and uh, you can follow along and make some notes there. The first filling is this. Many people marvel at the miracle, but we are meant to marvel at the message. Many people marvel at the miracle, but we are meant to marvel at the message. Now, don't get me wrong here. We should marvel at the miracle. It's amazing. It's supernatural. Could you imagine... If we had people from every nation in here coming in here, and, and, and I started talking, and everybody was hearing in their own language as I was talking, it would be a miracle. It would be amazing. Everybody would be astonished. But this is what was happening. God was, was allowing these apostles to speak, to share the gospel, the mighty works of God. At this time, the mighty works of God were the proclamation of His Son, Jesus, being the Messiah, living a perfect life that no human other than Jesus can live, the God-man, truly God and truly man, came and lived this perfect life, which means He had no sin in His life. You talk about mighty works of God. Jesus had no sin in His life. He never sinned in anything he did, not just the things that he did, but he never sinned in thought, not even a sinful thought Jesus had. And then he died on the cross and he died for for us, for people who were sinners, who can't live a sinless life. But then the mighty works of God, three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death for all who would put their trust in him. This is the mighty works of God, and this is why the miracle was given. That's the, the big takeaway. So don't, don't get me wrong. The miracle's amazing, and we should be just in awe of what God has done. But, but the takeaway, the, the foundational thing that, that is really important is the message of the mighty works of God. Now, I want to be clear here. These tongues were known languages and miraculously given so that the gospel could go forth to everyone who was there. Now, God planned this. Think about the timing on this and and why God would work such a miracle. Jewish men from every nation under the sun. This was it. The gathering, the feast, it was mandated that the Jewish men would come together at this time from everywhere. And here the gospel goes forth for the first time. This is the birth of the church. Now think about this. This message, this miracle of the the mighty works of God going forth and being proclaimed has been being proclaimed for 2,000 years. This is an unending sermon until Jesus comes back again. We are proclaiming every Sunday the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you know every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday? That's why the church gathers all over the world every Sunday to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the miracle that Jesus has done for you and me. This has been being proclaimed for over 2,000 years. Awesome. Now, some, some people miss the message. 
We find it right in that last verse. Others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Some missed the message because of the messengers. They were mocking, thinking they were drunk. Some people won't hear the gospel message. Think about this. God's performing this amazing supernatural miracle. These guys are speaking in known languages. Everybody's gathered around hearing all these things in their own language. And some people are just saying, yeah, whatever. Yeah, miracle. Yeah, whatever. These guys are just drinking too much. Because think about it. These are the apostles. The Holy Spirit has fallen. Not everybody's going to hear this gospel message and, and take it to heart. The Bible actually says that the gospel message is offensive. And it's offensive in the sense of this. We, we live in a world and we grow up in a world that tells you, you can do it. Anything you put your mind to, your dreams, your desires, whatever you want, you just, you just, do, you just do your best and you can achieve it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can, you can whatever you put your mind to. Practice makes perfect, right? You, whatever you want. I mean, this, this is like the, the message of the day. Self-esteem, that's all you need. Just, you just need more self-esteem. You need all of this. And that's not the gospel message. And actually, the gospel message is quite opposite of that. The gospel message is, you can't do it. You can put your mind to it. You can practice all you want. You can just try and pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. But we don't have the strength to live perfectly in thought and deed. We don't have the goodness in us to do that on our own. We just don't have it. You see, the gospel message is a message of dependency, not independence. The gospel message is a message of need, not a message of accomplishments. The gospel message is offensive to human pride. The gospel message is offensive to self-esteem. You see, the gospel message calls us to God-esteem. It calls us to worship a creator and a savior. It calls us to put our trust in our faith and find our strength and our courage in him, not in ourselves. This is the gospel message. And this is why the miracle was given. So that that gospel message could be proclaimed in a language that everybody could understand in their own language while they were there. Now, this next section is a little bit longer. It's an an entire sermon. So we're going to do a sermon within a sermon here. But I just want to warn you here, this is probably one of the most offensive messages you will ever hear. One of the most offensive sermons. You think about, we think about church today. I've been in church ministry for over 25 years now. And uh, I've worked with some pastors over church planning organizations uh, in the United States, multiple church organizations with the United Methodist Church and then in the Vineyard Churches as well. And we used to go and, and teach at church planting conferences and pastors' conferences, and they talk about how you reach out and evangelize your community and how you need to be sensitive to those seekers, as they call it, seeker-sensitive, and reaching out to, the, to your community. You want to say things that doesn't offend people, and you want to, you want to bring those in. 
And I just want to tell you the very first sermon ever preached after Jesus uh, rose again is the most unseeker-sensitive sermon we will ever hear. The most offensive. So uh, uh, Jesus, uh, Peter here, missed out on all the church planning conferences. So uh, I don't know what he was thinking. But uh, what we're going to see here at the birth of the church, Peter's going to give this sermon. 3,000 Jewish men are going to give their lives to Jesus. 3,000. I, I don't know who's wrong, Jesus or church planners. Who do you think? Right, right? Let's go with Jesus. How, how about we go with Jesus is the right way to go, right? Peter, Peter's the, got it right here as he follows what Jesus gives him. Pick it up in verse 14, Acts 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Okay, so Peter's going to point to uh, the Bible that they used at the time. And this is our Old Testament today. So he's pointing back to one of the prophets, an Old Testament, Joel. This is something all of these Jewish men would have been trained in as they were younger. And, and much, they've memorized much of the Old Testament. They're very familiar with these things. So as Peter's saying this, he is not just speaking their language. He's speaking their language, if you know what I'm saying. So in verse 17, he says, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You might want to underline that. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is a big statement. This might be one of the offensive statements in this. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wait, wait, wait. I thought it was just the Israelites. I thought it was just the Jewish people. I thought it was just God's chosen people. These Jewish people. No, no, no. Peter says all who call. This is, this is a huge statement as they're listening. This is one of the first major offensive statements they're hearing. Men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Peter's pointing the finger, you, you crucified, you handed him over to lawless men. Verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, he goes back again to the Old Testament, something they're really familiar with, quoting it to them, putting it right in their face. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us today. 
being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. You see, Peter's pointing back. He says, look, David even talked about this. This is something we've known about for hundreds and hundreds of years. And he was right here and you murdered him. He was on 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Fill in for your notes. The second fill in is this. Jesus is Messiah. All who call on his name can be saved. All who call on his name will be saved. This Jesus, this man who did mighty works through the power of God, you saw him raise the dead. You saw him give voice to the mute. You saw him casting out demons. You saw him calling the lame to walk. You saw him perform all of these miracles and you killed him. You wicked, evil murderers. You killed the Messiah. The one they had been waiting on for thousands of years. Since the Garden of Eden, God had set a plan in place. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God had a plan. He said, I'm going I'm to send a Savior to make this right. This sin ha- has caused a separation between Creator and creation. And Creator has to fix it because creation can't fix it. God had this plan set forth. And so all, all the time, these, these Israelites, these God's chosen people had learned and heard the story of this Messiah, this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords who would come and make things right. And they longed and waited and longed and searched for it and just wanted this Messiah to come. And here they are at Pentecost, celebrating one of the three feasts, all of them there. I'm sure it was just a great party, great food. They probably get together with old friends, old family members. Probably much like what we're going to celebrate here in the coming week. How's it going? It's great to see you again. Then all of a sudden, these guys start yelling out. This Jesus! 
He rose from the dead. He is, is the Messiah. You start looking around and going, who are these guys? Aren't, these, aren't they from Germany? We don't hear. I don't, I'm from America. I don't know German. How, how am I hearing these guys? Wait, you're from Asia? You, you hear, you, you're hearing this? Jesus? Yeah, we, we know Jesus. He's got crucified. I was there. Crucify him, I said. What? We, he's the Messiah, the one we've been waiting on? This is what we've been taught in, in school growing up. This is, this is the Messiah that was prophesied about by prophets over and over again. Hundreds of prophecies. The one we've been waiting for. The one that was going to save us. The one that was going to make us right with God. He was going to come and do all the things that we can't. Are you kidding me? He's the one? And we're seeing these tongues of fire. We're seeing this supernatural work. And we're hearing the language in our own. We're hearing these Galileans speak in our own language. And you're telling me we killed him? What? you got to be kidding me. This can't be. How could we do this? The one that was supposed to save us, we killed him. He was, he was going to come set up shop. He was going to make all things right. And we just, what do we do? What do we do? We are wicked, evil men. And you know what? They should have been cut to the heart. Because some of them standing there were there at the time. Some of them standing there were shouting, crucify him. And watched him bleed out and celebrated it. They should have been cut to the bone. They should have been distraught. They should have been broken. They should have been brought to nothing. Because they believed right then and right there that they murdered their creator. And they did. They should repent and be baptized into the church. They should. Because it was their sin. It was their wickedness. It was their brokenness. That horrific sin in their life that crucified Jesus. And we can stand here today looking back at history. And we can say, yeah, they need to repent those sinners. But the reality is, it's our sin that held Jesus there. And that's where this message gets very offensive. You see, when I choose sin, when I choose my brokenness and I walk in my sin, I'm the one standing there saying, crucify Him. It's our sin. It's our brokenness that's the reason why jesus stepped down from heaven the bible says that god so loved the world that god so loved you and me that he sent his only son to die we hear this sermon and we see these men They hear the message of the powerful works of God and the person of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice that He made. It was our death that He took. It was the life that we can't live in perfection that He lived. And He died on the cross for you and me. It reminds me of that song we sing. How deep the Father's love for us. 
How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. The second verse is the best. For me anyways. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice. Call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. The love of God poured out for us, for you and me. Now we can point the finger. But my mom always told me, if you point the finger, there's always three fingers pointing back at you, right? This is the mighty works of God proclaimed to all the earth. That's why I had you underline that. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He just says, call on his name. Excuse me. He just says, call on his name. He doesn't, it's interesting to me that he doesn't say, do it right. Live a righteous life. Get your life together. Quit smoking. Quit cursing. Quit stealing. Quit lying. That's not what he says. He says, come to the cross. All you weak and weary, heavy burdened, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Christianity isn't us living up to some standard in our own strengths, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps like I talked about. Christianity is receiving a gift that we don't deserve. It's receiving eternal life that we cannot earn. And it's recognizing that this amazing gift that's given to us for free was paid at the greatest price. That the creator and sustainer of life is the one who gave his life for us. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In this Advent season, we have a unique opportunity. That we can set aside time to come together and and celebrate what Jesus has done. I was... It's great. I love it. I went last night to a concert. Now, they're not Christians or anything else, but they're singing Christian songs all night. It was great. I, uh, Neil Zazad, I mean, he does a Christmas special in Akron. He's a guitarist. I'm a guitarist, so I really enjoyed it. But um, just doing all these Christmas songs, and they're singing about the birth of Christ. I, I, was, just, I was just beside myself. I, I thought it was great. You have these guys just you know, playing their guitars and singing and doing all this stuff and singing about God putting on flesh 
singing about the virgin birth, the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus, which we'll celebrate and talk about Saturday. What, what a great time of year. So we don't, we don't point the finger and condemn. We share the good news. That's what the gospel is. Gospel means good news. We share the gospel. We share the good news. And we rejoice with those who repent and get baptized. We welcome them into the family of God. And we recognize they are partakers of the grace, the undeserved, unearnable grace of God in Jesus Christ, just like we are. That's what we do. That's what we celebrate with them. If you're here today, I've got a question for you. If this is your first time here, maybe you've been coming for a while. Do you know that grace? Watch it online right now. Do you know that grace? Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God coming, giving His life, this perfect life He lived, the sinner's death that He died, the resurrection that He accomplished for you and me. Do you know that grace? I want you to know right now, he's inviting you into that grace. You can have that grace. And and with that grace comes knowing that you have eternal life with him forever. That there's a paradise that awaits you. That those who are in him and have gone before you, you will see again. A glorious reunion with, with those you love who are in him. But the most glorious reunion, the most glorious interaction is that we will see Jesus face to face. The man who lived the perfect life and died for us, we will see face to face. What a glorious day that will be. Do you know him? If you don't, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Surrender your life, your will to him. Trust in his work, not your own, Not your good works, not your good things. Trust in His good work. Because when we go to heaven and we walk through those pearly gates, our resume ain't going to cut it. That's why when we put our trust in Jesus, He hands us, He takes our resume and just deletes it. And He slaps His resume right there. That's, That's how we get to heaven. If you don't know Him, put your trust in Jesus today. The entire world is celebrating Christmas and has celebrated Christmas for thousands of years because Jesus is God and Jesus did miraculous things and Jesus made a way for you and me. It's undeniable. Put your trust in Jesus today. Well, let's pick it back up in this account here in verse 42. I love how it ends here. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, the proceeds, to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread... Just stop right there, attending the temple day by day. So I think we should start doing church every day. No, I'm just kidding, sorry. 
Bad pastor joke. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Last filling in your notes. The church gathered together serving one another. The church gathered together serving one another. That's what they did. There was teaching, breaking bread together, and prayer. They were together. They were unified. And we see here a picture of what healthy church looks like. Healthy churches are marked by, you might want to write these things down. Healthy churches are marked by, one, a devotion to biblical teaching. A devotion to biblical teaching. Two, fellowship. Fellowship's a big churchy word for hanging out. They're hanging out. Three, prayer. Four, growth. Numeric growth is what I'm talking about there. Spiritual growth as well. Five, unity. Six, generosity. And seven, joy. I'll go through this again. Healthy churches are marked by devotion to biblical teaching, fellowship, prayer, growth, unity, generosity, and joy. The first one, they, devoted to, they were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. They came under the authority of the, the apostles or God's word, the scriptures that we have today, our New Testament the apostolic writings that we hold to today. One of the things I think we get wrong today and is foundational from the very beginning is that the church also isn't meant to serve us. They, throughout all of this, came and served one another. There's this idea, this foundational idea we see in the birth of the church that they came and served one another. The things that what does it say? They sold their belongings and they gave to whoever was in need. This idea of generosity, this idea of serving one another is unavoidable. The church was never meant to be an organization. It is meant to be organized, but it is meant to be a family. That's why when it talks about the church, it talks about brothers and sisters in Christ. And when it talks about Christ giving his life and going before us, it's so that he would have many brothers, sisters, growing the family. Now, we want to be organized and we want to do well with what God has given us. But this is not an organization. We are a family growing, living our lives together, doing life together. That's one of the core values here at Mission View Church, that we would do life together. No one's meant to be out on their own doing life alone. Christianity is a religion of relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. That's why our purpose, our very reason we exist as Mission View Church is loving God and loving others. God calls us to love God and love others. And he put it in that order on purpose that we would love God and be in relationship with Him. And out of that love, that life-changing, sanctifying, changing, growing us love, we then love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we go out and love those who don't know Jesus yet, those pre-Christian neighbors, family members, and co-workers that we have. Loving God and loving others. We are meant to be a family that serves one another. We did a study through 1 Corinthians, really enjoyed that study. But one of the key takeaways as we studied through the book of 1 Corinthians was this, is that God has gifted every single one of us. Isn't that cool to know? 
that when you were created, God put gifts in you? Why would he do that? It was really clear in 1 Corinthians. Here's why. For the person you're sitting beside. For the person sitting in front of you and behind you. That's why he gave you those gifts. So that you can serve and and love them well. And that's what it means to be this, this church. That's what it means to be this family. That we are here for one another. To do life together. But beyond that, to serve one another. And use the gifts that God has given us to love and care for and serve each other. That's what the church is meant to be. And today, so oftentimes, we come to church and we have this idea of churches. Well, I really need to go to church. I really, I need something today. I got to go and get something today. We get into this consumer-minded mentality, and that's not anything that we see in Acts at all. The birth of the church is meant to be pouring out of ourselves, giving of ourselves, giving of our finances, whatever is needed, that we would see the gospel proclaim the good news of Jesus, go forth in our communities, and go forth in the region, and go forth all over the world. That's what God has called us to be, and that's the miraculous birth of the church. And we get to participate in it. Isn't that cool? It's not, this isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. This is something Jesus says, hey, come do this with me today. We get to do this today to share the gospel, to use the gifts that he's given us, to serve one another, and to see his kingdom expanded. What a glorious calling God has given each one of us. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. What an amazing birth that we looked at today. The birth of your church. Come, Lord, and have your way. God, I pray that we, Mission View Church, would be a church that lives out these truths, God. We commit ourselves to biblical teaching. We commit ourselves to fellowship, to prayer, to growth, to unity, generosity. And God, fill us with your joy by the power of your Spirit. We thank you for the gift of your son in this Advent season, Father. We look to you, we look to Jesus, and we celebrate Jesus' coming. Because without a manger, there would be no cross. So we worship you. We give you glory and honor and praise. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song this morning.